Hi again, my name is Wendy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I thank my friend Carol for asking me to speak. Um, so it's great to be back here at the Log Cabin. I first came into this room 18 and a half years ago. And uh, I still haven't yet spotted a rat coming out of the bathroom. And one day I think I will, but I'm, I found a lot more recovery here instead. Um, anyhow, so... Gosh, what was it like? I, before I start, because I don't want to forget, um, I read something from the Voices of Recovery for today, and I just want to briefly share it to you because it's a part of my story, and we'll get to it. But um, here's what it says from July 21st. When it came to physical recovery and adopting a plan of eating, I had always tried what someone else was doing. Experience eventually taught me that other people's food plans did not work for me. The compulsion stayed with me until I prayed to be led to the plan of eating that would work best for me. Then I prayed for the willingness to row the boat to take the action with a plan of eating one meal one day at a time. As a result, I've been attending OA free of the compulsion for almost a year. Um, so I'll get to my story, but that's just really a big part for me. Um, so I came in here 18 and a half years ago. Uh, I had forgotten that I went to one OA meeting in the Valley as a teenager. Um, I, my mother had dropped me off. It was definitely before I could drive. And I heard people talking about God, and I really didn't want any of that. So um, I came back uh, in January of 94. I'd been, it was shortly after that big Northridge earthquake we had. And I just realized, you know, I hadn't weighed myself in years, but um, I called my mother and I just said, what's that OA thing you used to do? Can you give me some information? And she did. So um, what it, well, I'll just get the figures out of the way. So I told you I've been here. I have recovery. I've been coming for 18 and a half years. I currently have about a year and nine months of abstinence. Relapse has been a part of my story, but I've never left the rooms. And I'm maintaining about a 75-pound weight loss, and I'm passing photos around so you can see. And it's not to be show-offy, but one time I led a meeting and someone said, I'm so glad you brought those pictures. I thought you were a bulimic and never, you know, really had weight stuff. So I'm, that's why I bring it for people. Um, so what it was like, and I always had problems with my weight. Um, in high school, I dropped 50 pounds doing the, you know, aerobics classes and counting the calories and measuring and this and that. And I promptly put it back on and a lot more when I went back east to a women's college. Um, so I found myself at home in, you know, bordering, you know, West, Ho bordering West Hollywood, living with my gay man roommate who I adored. And my weekends consisted of eating, going to WeHo to the boys clubs, flirting with gay men, which, of course, wasn't really going to get a straight woman anywhere, and um, eating and buying shoes and handbags. So that was kind of my life. And uh, so I called my mother, and I showed up here one day. And um, I don't remember what was spoken. I don't remember the speakers or the people in the room, especially talking about God. But I just decided to maybe let go of some prejudice and come back because the people were very warm and welcoming. So I began to abstain um, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time giving you the whole, you know, weigh the log or whatever they call an AA, I guess a drunk log of telling you what it was like. I mean, we all know what it was like. It sucked. I'll just give you like a minor example, being here in West Hollywood. And, you know, this really is full circle of my life because across the way is Pan Pacific Park. And that's where I went to nursery school. It used to be a big, bigger park. And we went to nursery school. There it was a co-op. Um, but I just remember before I came into the program, it must have been summer of 93 or spring, whenever Gay Pride Festival is, walking from our apartment, Melrose Fairfax, walking back, having a hole like this size of my leg from the rubbing together. And that wasn't enough for me. You know, I had to, I had to eat some more and just finally decide to get some help. 
So I, I started coming to the meetings, um, decided to not worry so much about the, you know, the God words and the steps. And one day I was at the office and I got a phone call um, from a woman who heard me pitch in a Sunday night meeting that I needed a little bit of help with the food because I did ask someone to step sponsor me. And I said, well, thanks for calling. How did you get my work number? And she said, oh, your roommate gave it to me. What? See, my roommate and I never gave out. We shared a landline at the time. We never gave out work phone numbers. And that's what I today call my first God shot. Because really, I was the person who walked around most of my life, even though I had religious training. And I actually heard a speaker yesterday. I laughed because he said what is sort of part of me. He said, you know, I was... um, I'm Jewish in food, but not religion. And and I just laughed because I totally understood that. And um, so I had the training. I had the upbringing. But hearing people talk about God, seeing people wear crosses, seeing little fish on the back of people's, you know, cars, all that stuff really irritated me. And I didn't know why. Because it wasn't as if I came from a family that said, religion is bad. We are thinkers. It wasn't like that at all. But I just had that prejudice. So anyhow, I began working with this woman and another woman. And um, I started doing the step work. And my experience in my 18 years has been that I have had to change sponsors at times. And that is never a bad thing. It just means, you know, someone has helped you. And then when it's time to move and if you need to move on, that's fine. You know, it's just like a marriage. If a marriage isn't working out, we choose to leave. If, you know, a partnership isn't, we we choose to leave. So um, I began to do the work. And one of the problems that I had in my early days of abstinence is my abstinence and food plan were one big blob. And um, I had a big, very big list of no's. And uh, my no list could be so big that my grandmother would say, oh, we're going to go to so-and-so. Can you eat something there? Or I'd be on a date with a guy. And uh, what did he say? We were at the Cheesecake Factory with some friends. And he said, oh, Wendy can't have dessert. She's on a diet. But you see, this was all the information that I had given other people. I was opening myself up for this kind of commentary. Uh, And it wasn't until years later that I realized that, you know, it's all on me. It's all what I choose to divulge, how I choose to do it. And uh, I was reminded of that a few weeks ago. One of my oldest friends, like from third grade, we were talking about something. I don't know how the subject came up. She said, well, yeah, I I don't know what you're eating now or how you're eating because, you know, I know it's changed a lot. And I'm like, well, you know. And again, that's going back to me and my, my things. And I remember the same friend many years ago. She said, yeah, you, you're really talking about going to the gym a lot. And that stuff is just boring, you know. When, when I came here, and I don't want to forget this, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that we hear in the rooms isn't original. We hear other speakers say it. But a friend in the Valley was sharing recently, and she said, when I got to the room, I was at step zero. This blippity blip has got to quit. I made a little promise. I I talked to Nick before the meeting. I said, I'm going to do my best, you know, try not to curse because this is being recorded. But so, you know, this blankety blank has got to stop. That was step zero. And that was my step zero, too. Um, You know, we hear I came for the vanity. I came for the sanity. No, I I came for a vanity. I stayed for sanity. I just came because I was fat and I wanted to lose weight. I had no idea what this was. I had no idea I was going to find a higher power and how long this journey would be. I mean, you know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm 41 now, so it hasn't quite been half of my life. But it has been a really long time that I've been coming here and such an important part of my life. Um, the friend who recently did my hair, we were talking, and she's got a couple years in the program. She's doing great. And she said, how do you keep coming after 18 years and your enthusiasm? How do you still keep showing up? And I said, well, it does help that, you know, through Overeaters Anonymous, I realized I had some other stuff. So I go to two other fellowships as well. 
But I just, I love to hear the miracles. I love to hear how people are using this program in their lives. Because life can be very difficult, but we have support. We have a solution. There is, there's a lot of problems, but there is a solution. Um, you know, the 12 steps are suggested to take us there. They suggest you get into the lifeboat if the ship is sinking. So these are very strong suggestions. Um, so anyhow, so back to the early days of the program. Rigid rules, rule follower, doing the steps. And then, wow, life began to open up. Weight started to come off. You know, I started to date. Uh, work was going well. I was working in the field that I'd wanted to be in. Um, I started sponsoring. I started speaking. And then I do what a lot of us do. That life is good. I don't need to work so hard. I don't need to really pay attention to my food. I don't need to remember that I have alcoholic foods. And then guess what? Weight starts coming on. But then I stopped being honest with myself. I stopped putting myself on the scale. And uh, then after three years, I finally said, you know what? It was time for me to get a new sponsor. And I said, you know what? I think I might be in relapse. And my sponsor, my new sponsor was very gentle and said, do you want to call the slip? And I said, no, no, no. This is, you know, I'm really starting over. And uh, my starting over was to try to find everybody else's food plan that worked. My, my idea was to put my size seven and a half shoe into the size five, into the size ten. Oh, look, this friend doesn't eat bread or pasta. Okay, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to have a pound of rice at every meal. It was that kind of stuff. It was going to the same three meetings. It wasn't expanding my spiritual life, which is what the big book talks about. And that is really critical for, for how I operate today, expanding my spiritual life. For a person who was so biased against God and religion and spirituality, the fact that I read outside literature now that blends with the program, that I go to other programs that blend with this program, it's a miracle. I can't believe it. I'm actually seeing change. That, not just the weight loss in this program, that to me is seeing someone, you know, who comes in so angry or so dejected, and seeing the light turn on in that person's eyes, that is the beauty of this program. Seeing, you know, the real person come out and shine because they're letting go of that which has kept them in bondage. Um, you know, it's simple but not easy. When people are new, they, you know, they want to know, well, what's the plan? How the hell do I eat? What do I do? What do I do? And this is what I say. What is biting your butt today? Is it the potato chips? Is it the chocolate? What is it? It doesn't have to be everything. Because in my beginning, I tried everything. And it was, you know, a white knuckle abstinence for a while. And that doesn't work. My belief for myself, and I only speak for myself, is that when we get honest, if we do our step work, if we go to meetings, and the meetings are so important, but, and I do the steps slowly but slowly. I've gone through them quite a few times. But if we keep doing that stuff, our higher power, which we don't have to call God, there are no rules here, um, will reveal to us what we need to do, how we need to live, how we need to eat, what our character defects are, how they can be converted to assets. This stuff happens. It's the quiet, intuitive voice. And I joke because I know a lot of people share this with me. The quiet, intuitive voice is not the one that says, those pair of shoes are great. You need to get three pairs so you have them in all the colors they come in. It's not the voice that goes, go to Target. You need to get cat litter. And you walk out like, how did I spend 200 bucks? What the heck happened? And that's even happened recently. Okay, we're you know, imperfect, progressing. But it, it's the quiet voice. It's the gentle voice that keeps me going. You know, um, One thing that I will say 
I am stubborn, but I'm also an optimist. My stubbornness has kept me here. You know, what do they say? You know, keep, keep waiting for the miracle. Well, there's so many, you know, they, they come slowly, but slowly. And just the little different glimpses that I can see, wow, I reacted to that differently. I didn't feel the need to have a large meal or go out and buy this because I dealt with this person or situation. And as much as I hate to admit it, Mm, I said 98%. Now I'm probably leaning closer to 99. 99% of the time when I'm disturbed, when I'm really angsty, when I'm really pissed and upset, it's because somebody else is not behaving as I think they should or need to be doing. And then I want to act out in my disease, which is just to think food. Food will solve it. Um, you know, it, it was food is my thinking is the problem. The food in and of itself is not the problem. Um, I know that's really hard to grasp for people if they're new. It's also very hard for alcoholics to grasp. They don't fully understand it. They say to me, well, why do you, why do you go to OA? What do you need if I go to an open AA meeting because I'm not an AA? Well, I said, my program works just like yours does. You know, I had to acknowledge to my innermost self, like it talks about in doctor's opinion, you know, I have certain alcoholic foods. There are certain things that I personally need to stay away from. Um, and there's always that little voice that says, just a little bit, you know, sometimes it's an out loud voice like my sister. OK, you know, just have a little taste of this, you know, a little taste. If it's a little taste like that cake, that whatever that is taken out, nobody else gets to have it. And that is what I have to acknowledge to my innermost self. Um, what? Gosh, I just uh, I should probably get, try to get back to the story. I always kind of jump around a bit. So I, I declared relapse in 97. I started over. And I really spent the next six years or so till 2003 trying on a lot of different abstinences, seeking outside help. Um, during that time period, I also moved to the valley. I decided I hated those valley meetings. Those people waited measured food, blah, blah, blah. And then one day in, um, a two, I think it was around 2003, my sponsor at the time and I were talking. We were doing step work. And I, I admitted, look, I do X, Y, and Z. This is what I eat for breakfast. And she said, can you try something different? And I said, okay. And I was pissed, of course. You know, whenever a sponsor gives a little suggestion, you're always kind of, ugh. You know, it's, it's only a good suggestion if it comes to me. Well, hi, how's the sick head going to get, you know, the sick person well, right? So, anyhow, um, I started doing things a little differently. That sponsor got another sponsor, a 100-pounder in the valley, and said, guess what? We're going to go to five meetings a week. We're going to weigh ourselves once a week. We're going to really get into the big book. Ah, that big book, that antiquated text, that sexist, that blah, 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 blah. Well, at this time, there was no reason I couldn't go to five meetings a week. I was self-employed. Um, the only thing that I couldn't weigh myself was the f never owning a scale because I was so terrified. You know, the only, you know, when I told you I, I was up, I was 223 pounds. And when I saw that number, I couldn't believe it. Oh, and I should also let you know that in 2000, when I started to work out with a trainer, um, I went to the doctor who said, you're looking really good, Wendy. Let's put you on the scale. I was up to 196 from 154, and I don't know how that happened because I just don't know because I didn't, you know, let myself be in reality. And for some people, they shouldn't weigh because it makes them, you know, 56 kind of crazy. For me, that is part of my honesty with myself. That's just what I need to do for me because if I don't, please, it's 200 and rising for me. I know it. It is there. So anyhow, um, so I almost left that sponsor. I was like... How am I going to do all that? That's just crazy. How can I do all that? And I started doing it, and lo and behold, things started changing. And um, the weight started coming off again, and then that sponsor, I went back to school in 08. She relapsed. She had to drop me. I got another sponsor 
who helped me a lot on my spiritual path. I really started practicing my 11th step meditation, doing other things. But that sponsor was a bit controlling for me, and that's why I read this to you. Um, my personal experience is, and the way I sponsor people, it is not my job to tell you what you need to eat. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a specialist. I can tell you what has worked for me. I can just say to you, what are your alcoholic foods? What is biting you today? What, what can we let go of today, one day at a time? Um, if you had told me years ago that, you know, bread would not be a part of my life, I would have told you were a crazy person. Um, and sometimes growth and change means having to have a voice and stand up for yourself and say, you know what, this relationship really isn't working out. So um, I changed sponsors again. And uh, I also, that the former sponsor really kind of scared me and said, you know, I had... A, a, quite a slippery thing, and I was really, you know, rigid and reporting food and this and that, and um, strongly suggested that I restart my abstinence. And I chose to do it, and initially I resented that because I had 13 years. Damn it, it was my bat mitzvah years. You know, how could I have to start over? That junk was just ego. So I restarted, and this is why I stand before you, and thank you, God, I didn't, you know, have to put on the 75 pounds. The weight did go up a bit. It's back down now. It's going a little bit down now. Further, you know, as long as I'm willing, because God is always willing. God is always there for me if I will listen. A lot of times I don't want to listen. I hear, yeah, 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 but I need that third pair of shoes. Yeah, 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 but, you know, I need that dinner, blah, blah, blah. But it's getting to the point where we are meeting because I'm allowing us to meet, and that's really important. So, um, I'm just peeking, doing all right there. Yeah, five minutes. Okay, great. So, um, gosh, so how I work my program today, just to let you know, because this is sort of a workshop group, um, it's very imperfect. But uh, I do get up, and there was a period of time, even this year, where I wasn't saying the prayers that I, my, I used to say third and seventh every day, clockwork. I said my affirmations, clockwork. And then for whatever reason, I just stopped, maybe because they felt rote, maybe because I was exploring other things. I'm utilizing those again. Um, I'm practicing meditation. I'm reading other literature. I'm doing an extensive, extensive uh, inventory, which is a written autobiography. We actually decided to set a deadline because it's just one of those, ugh, and, I'm, and I just finished where I'm in college. And, you know, that's half my life. So that's, that's, it's a lot of work to do. And the good news is that's for another program, but my OA sponsor said, I think we should read it too. So she gets to know me better because we've only been together since... Um, Bless you, since uh, 2011. Yes, we've been together a little about a year and a half. So um, it's just doing that work slowly and really, truly listening for the quieter voice. Um, and I'm a big baby. I'm stubborn. I don't always want to do it, you know. And I go, you know, there's, there's the last bastion. It's, you know, spending. And I go, oh, I'm not, I'm not eating what I want to eat all the time. And I'm not sleeping who I want to sleep with all the time because I'm married and, you know, and I'm committed and blah, blah, blah. You know, please don't take this from me. But now that it's come up, God is saying, okay, Wendy, time to grow up. The most important things in life aren't things. Let's grow up a little bit more. Let's get a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, and that's what it's about. You know, pain, pain is, the, is the pathway to a new life and uh, pain and growth. And, um, but it doesn't always have to be so painful, you know. Another thing that I practice is I'm really working on easy does it with myself and others. I'm finally coming into that self-love that we're, we talk about, that we're promised. They say when you come in here, we'll love you till you can learn to love yourself. After a mere 18 years, I think I'm finally in that loving myself space. And as a result, this 
part of my heart that I thought was so black and ugh, towards my family. Because I came in here, I didn't have any issues with my family because I just ate. I had no emotions. I was eating or I was crying. I didn't know I was crying because I was angry or I was resentful. I just did. And then, you know, it's sort of like, I guess, the adolescent, the teenage years where you're like, oh, my family and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Everybody's doing the best they can. And I've said it, I've said it, but to really feel it and do it and ask for God's help to really get it into your heart, it makes other people's junk not such a big deal. And I can see myself starting to flip out, and I can pause. I'm getting that pause button. The longer time you spend here, you get more of that pause before you react. And sometimes the best reaction is a non-reaction. When people start getting into the crazy, just kind of going, hmm, okay, you might be right, or okay, you know, I can't talk about that now, or, or let, let's get back to that later. Just doing that instead of the screaming. And as a result, I feel calmer. I don't have to make so many amends. You know, because amends, we're all, you know, we're all insecure egomaniacs, right? We don't want to put our tail on our legs and say, I'm really sorry that I blew up about blah, 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 or I'm really sorry that I this, because it, it kind of sucks. Um, so once you're in the program and, and you, you start to learn better and do better, and I'm not talking about the past because the past is the past, and of course we make amends for the past, but as you start to grow spiritually and you work your program, you're going to know something is not going to feel right, and sometimes you'll catch it in the moment, sometimes it'll take you 24 hours, and guess what? Then the next time happens, and you don't do it, and you go, oh my God, oh my God, this is why I came here. I came here to lose weight. But I came here to get a better life and to treat others better and to treat myself with love and respect. Because that's what, that's what this program is about, you know. Um, I just, I have so much love and respect for it and the people who work a program. Um, you know, I'm not, as I say, you know, I'm not religious, never have been. But if people say, well, what's your spirituality, your religion? I'd have to say the 12-step program. It is my core. I explore different things. But it all comes back to this. This is my home. And I say to people over and over, I say, thank God I found OA first. If I had gone to the other rooms first, no way. Because I see people who have, you know, had recovery in the other program, particularly friends in the beverage program, and they come here and it is, they struggle, they fight, they fight. And you can say to them, look, what is your, it's like alcohol. What is your alcohol? You don't have to abstain from everything. What is your alcohol? And it's so painful and it's so hard for them. But because I had this first, this is, you know, this is a really freaking hard program. This is very difficult, but it is so rewarding, and it so changes the life um, for me. And uh, I just, I, I can't say anything more about it. And, you know, and now that I have the time, I don't need to shove it down people's throat. If people ask, what, what, what do I do? Well, I'm in a 12-step program for eating. If they want more information, I'll give it to them. Because a lot of people are turned off. A lot of people, just like I used to be when I heard the, the G word, same way when they hear the 12-step word. So, you know, I'm not here to convert people. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm just here to recover and help others. So that's it. I'm going to end. Thank you. Talk about the transition from, be, from having fun with safe gay men to having real relations with, with a partner, with a heterosexual male. Um, okay, so... I spent a lot of time doing dumb stuff. I came in when I was 23, you know. There were times when I was sleeping around. There were times when I said, boy, I can't wait till he gets the hell out of here so I can have my pancakes, even in the program. And then um, as I slowly started to respect myself a little bit more, um, I started to find more appropriate people. But initially, 
it was finding long distance relations. So I would have boyfriends in Northern England, I'd have boyfriends in New York, um, and it was really kind of, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. And quite honestly, I'm trying to think, it probably really was not until I met my now husband, uh, New Year's Eve 99, that I had a relationship with a man who lived in Los Angeles that I called my boyfriend. Um, so that is what happened. And, you know, it's sort of the stuff that you hear about, like, well, why don't you wait a little bit before you get intimate? Why don't you do that kind of stuff? So that's what happened. And it really was weird for me, like, oh, my God, he, he called. And, and he, he said he was going to call. And he did. And he showed up. And he actually did. And, and it was difficult to make that adjustment. But, um, yeah, that's sort of what it was. It was sort of a lot of, you know, acting dopey behavior and, and the long distance thing. Did that answer, I hope? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, what is my relationship and my routine with my current sponsor? My current sponsor, I love her. It's, it's funny. She, uh, of all the sponsors I've had, we do not have a set call time. There really aren't any full requirements. She makes suggestions. I call as needed. But she does give me direction. And she has that voice. She'll go, Wendy, Wendy, which is basically like, Hey, Wendy, you're sounding like a freaking maniac. Maybe we need to pause here. Maybe. And she's always bringing it, telling me to slow down, calm down, and really bring it back to myself. So that's sort of how, how we work with one another. She did. Um, I was doing a 10-step from the other sponsor. And it was, um, gosh, I don't know if I want to call it an angry 10-step, but part of that 10-step was really focusing on the pure big book way. You know, what could I have done differently? What was wrong? You know, what, you know, sort of the, the negative aspects of taking the nightly inventory. And with this sponsor, I'm encouraged to look at, okay, what could I have done better? And also my plans for the next day, which I find very helpful um, as a person who tends to sometimes I overextend myself. So planning what I do for the next day, letting her know, you know, stating my abstinence, stating if, what I did for myself and others during the day. So that's how we do it. Um, and sometimes I go through periods, I go, wow, I haven't called her for a bit. Maybe it's time to call. Because the thing is, I don't always call her just when it's a crisis. Um, and I also have two other sponsors that I can call as well. But, uh, yeah, it's really a call-as-needed basis. And she really is an example because she's gone through some very difficult stuff, like the loss of a spouse. And uh, it's really neat to, to be working with someone like her. So, yeah. What does my food look like today? What do I do? Um, I use an application on my Android that I can do on my Android, and I enter it also on my um, laptop. You can ask me afterwards if you care, because we don't endorse anything. Um, I, like Ore, I measure certain foods. And guess what? It's not always, I'm not always so worried about measuring the vegetables. Isn't that surprising? It's more stuff like, it's more stuff like cereal and rice and pasta and that kind of stuff. Um, and also fruit as well. And another thing that, you know, my trainer has become a dear friend. She's not just my trainer. But, you know, she makes suggestions and I'm very slow to take. But you know what she suggested to me? She said, you know what? Base it on the grams. A tablespoon, because what I was doing, I, oh, it's, Half a cup, which is 40 grams. It was more like 50 or 60. So for my oatmeal, I'm like, okay, let's use the digital scale. It took me a long time to do the digital scale. And, you know, with um, my current abstinence, it's simple. I abstain from bread, recreational sugar, alcohol, and French fries. There's a lot of stuff you can dick around with around that. But 
it evolves. So I don't think, oh, I'm going to go get me some onion rings, you know, because that's allowed. I don't do that so much anymore. I really don't because it doesn't feel good in my body. Um, so it looks like three meals, zero to three snacks. The snacks are contained. They're, um, they're not exciting bars all the time every more. You know, sometimes it's stuff like hard-boiled eggs. Woo-woo, very exciting. But um, it really depends on my hung- hunger level. So I don't always pre-plan. My breakfast is, I have a few different breakfasts that I use, but when I'm going to go out to eat, like, for example, I had a client lunch at the Good Earth, I knew I planned what I was going to eat, and I already entered it in my thing. And then when I report, I personally choose to, my sponsor says, I don't really care about looking at your food. If it's a problem, we can talk about it. But when I do my 10 step, I actually say, you know, what I ate, and I usually just, I follow what she does, and I just give the calorie count. And it's funny, because I always hated, you know, calories, this and that. But for me, it's a reality check, you know, and that's it. And I don't necessarily endorse or oppose or whatever, but that's how I do it. I I hope that answered. Okay. Yes. When I sponsor them, I I say, you know, what is biting your ass? What is biting your ass? Can we let that go, you know, a day at a time, 30 days? And, you know, and sometimes I used to get angry when people would pick their food back up. And that was just insane. And there's another program to go to about, like, not controlling people. So I was just like, you know what? All I can do is be an example. If I'm looking at her going, God damn, why is she picking the sugar up again? Well, hi, why don't you look at, you know, the amount of rice you had yesterday, Wendy? So it is not my business. So, and I used to have set call times, and that doesn't work so much. I, I'm on a call-as-needed basis, and I do suggest, you know, that they do the nightly inventory. But I don't shame them and say, you've got to do this inventory. I don't do my inventory perfectly seven nights a week either. If I get home too late or if I'm just being a lazy butt, I don't always do it. So... It's really call me as needed, and there's no limit on when you can call me. You can call, you can text, carrier pigeon, email, et cetera. So, that answer? Do I deal with, with feelings of self-hate, um, not accepting myself, regret, that kind of stuff? And I would say that is something that has been the path that I'm on this year, working on that stuff. Because, yeah, I'm like most people. When a defect has gone for a little bit, like, oh, I'm not gossiping so much, or, oh, I'm not, um, I'm not judging people so much, and it pops back up, and then I get really pissed, like, you should know better, you have enough program, blah, 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 because the judgment has been up here in my face, and, um, but, real, but when I realize getting angry or hating myself or thinking that I'm not working a decent program when it's there doesn't help solve the problem, it's being able to recognize and say, oh, you're judging again, what is it in you? Let's let that go. So that is sort of how I deal with it when those moments come up. And, and the compassion that I'm working on cultivating. When I hear people speak so poorly of themselves, I go, you're not, you're not like that. And I've caught myself saying, you know, really denigrating comments about myself. I think, gosh, I was at a friend who left the program. She has a, a retail shop. I went in there to buy something. I'm like, oh, this is not fitting my big Jewish ass. But I'm going on about my big ass. She's like, will you stop? And I was like, yeah, you're right. This is stupid. This is just stupid. How do I work the 11th step, prayer and meditation? Um, I really do am making more of an effort to get some quiet time every day. And one thing with the prayer stuff that's getting me a bit back to it, Alan, is um, I've actually started reading pages 86 through 88 each day, which I hadn't done. And I've heard people talk about doing it for years because it's a really great tool when it talks about on awakening and what we do and how we prepare. And I also have some other books that I read. Um, So I do that, and I've gotten back to that shower, you know, affirmations and saying my prayers. And uh, also some other stuff, you know, um, like... uh, 
Well, I'm doing this meditation challenge, which is an outside issue. You can ask me about that, which encourages me to meditate for 21 days in a row. And I really, you know, I also sought outside meditation. There was a period a couple of years ago, I was doing 22 times a day, 20 minutes. I don't know how I did it. I don't have the patience now, but I may get back there. I'm not sure. But um, just remembering that sometimes I'm like running around in my day and just kind of feeling that, uh, like, you didn't meditate this morning. You didn't try to take some quiet time. Because I, I am a latent perfectionist. I always think, you know, the brain's going. It wasn't a good meditation. You fell asleep. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Just the point is just to try to sit there and get quiet. So that's how I do it. Very imperfect. What do I do when life gets to be about, it's about a pair of shoes, it's about a pair of shoes. And what do I do when I just want it to be about a pair of shoes, when I just want it to be simple? Um, in hearing you ask me that question, I'm thinking there's a way that I can better deal with it. Um, recently, about a month and a half ago, I was online. I was about to pull the trigger to get this other pair of shoes because they were a cheap price. And I'd gotten a pair when I went to my college reunion. And I got a phone call from somebody in another fellowship, in my fellowship that deals with the money stuff. I'm like, Ugh, okay, God, fine, I get it. But guess what? I need to also be the one picking up the phone when I'm in the store going, hi, I'm getting in the crazy zone. I think I need another pair of Sauconies. I already have five of them at home. What am I doing? And, you know, the other day I was, I was at a store, um, the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, oh, but these shoes, these sneakers, they're a good price. Da, da, da. I'm like, but you came in here to buy a pair of dressy flats. And it wasn't the kindest voice. It probably wasn't the God voice, but I actually listened to the voice, and I just did it. On the days that I wish it were just a pair of shoes, God, I wish it were just about body and looking good and not having to do all this step stuff and taking the phone calls and doing it. But I know there's a higher purpose. There is a strong part of me that wants to be helped and to help others. When I went back to school, I said, I'm going to do this so I can help people. And I did the whole thing, and I realized that really wasn't the career change that I needed to do. And I thought, it's been around you for 18 years. You can be of service and love to the people around you in the program, which is why I sponsor more people than I ever have, and it doesn't stress me out because people don't have specific call times. And I guess it's my sponsees that remind me that there's a higher thing, and it's not just about the shoes or the food. I hope that answered. How have I dealt with my higher power before, during, and after the program? There was none before. There, there was nothing. I was in temple. I was singing. I was whatevering. I wasn't thinking about God. It was just like whatever. The first glimpse that I came to believe there was a power possibly greater than myself was that first year or so of abstinence. Um, I used to, my home groups were pretty much, it was a Sunday women's group. It was the gay and lesbian meetings at the center. I was so comfortable there. I'm sitting there and I went, my God. You know, I'm taking off weight. I'm not angry like I was in high school when people noticed that I was taking off weight because they were noticing at work. It was coming off, you know. And I thought, left to my own devices, I am drowning in a vat of macaroni and cheese. There's got to be something outside myself at work here. But I didn't, like, call it God yet, and it took a while. And a dear um, old sponsee of mine uh, helped me by, you know, sharing with me about her higher power, and it had a female name, and it was like based on, you know, an old camp counselor. And it wasn't, um, you know, she didn't call it God either. And uh, I simplified and called it God. And today what it's like when I start to spin out, and sometimes it's even before, you know, my OA sponsor's like, Wendy, Wendy. It's when I feel myself going, oh, la, la, I have so much to do, and I have sponsees calling me, la, la. it's like, okay, okay. 
what can we let go of? Are there a few activities? Have we overbooked ourselves? Can we let go of a few things? And then remembering, oh, wait, I have this thing that loves me no matter what, that thinks I'm fantastic no matter what, that is there and available for me at all times. Can I tap into that resource? As I've mentioned before, I'm very stubborn. I've had periods in my abstinence, in the first abstinence, okay, first abstinence was no table bread. Then it started creeping back in, creeping back in. Then it was bread only in the context of a meal. And that could mean a sandwich, that could mean toast, nah, nah, nah. didn't mean table bread, because I, I knew that was not my scene. Um, and then finally, I was terrified. I was pissed, but I was like, well, actually, it wasn't even my own thought. It was that sponsor, the one who I said was a bit more controlling, who said, you can't have any flour if you want to work with me. And I was like, oh, all right then. Um, and it was sort of like, okay, no, no, actually, she tricked me. It was kind of funny, but it's, it's kind of fun when sponsors do that. 30 days off white flour, another 30 days. How about another 30 days off all flour? Like, gah. But then, yeah, for me today, some flour, I do have some flour, but I know if I start with the bread again, for me personally, you better freaking lock me up. And I've had some of that Ezekiel bread, which technically doesn't have flour. That stuff, it's all right. It's cardboard. It'll sit in my freezer for like, you know, it'll sit in the freezer for like a month. I can bring bread into the house with my husband. I don't stare at the bread basket as much anymore because I know that's not my food. I've certainly had stuff, other stuff that I've had to, you know, take out. You know, the fries were alcoholic. They came back. And now I know that they're alcoholic. But I know for me, if I make it too big, I get too crazy. That's why this current sponsor is like, you know, keep it simple. Make it easy. You know, I also... Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I just have to keep it simple. How did I find a higher power that is personal to me? Um, really something that I continue to actively seek. My first glimpses of a higher power that was working for me when I was just driving in the car, maybe on the freeway, and I just got that sort of like good chill over my body, like something is there. Like it, that's how I felt it. And then one of my sponsors said, what does your higher power look like? And I was kind of like, oh, my God, because I don't usually have a visual. And I said, well, you're going to laugh because she's a dog person. I said, I imagine it looks like a big, giant cat, to be quite honest. <laughs> and that's, you know, and I don't always have that as a visual. But um, it's just when I'm really down and out and I really can get there. I mean, I am an optimist, and I don't usually say depressed and in my crap for more than, like, I would say a day max. And usually it's only a couple of hours. But I just kind of go, oh, Yeah. I don't have to fix the world. I don't have to change it all. There's something. Everybody has this source, whether they acknowledge it or not. Everybody has something in their lives. And mine can help me to realize that I don't need to run this whole show. How do you deal with patience and when foot, uh, with footwork and when the results aren't coming? Oh, man. You know, it, it's really hard when we don't get stuff that we want or we think we deserve or bad stuff happens to those we love. And we go, why? Why? Um, and I'm so impatient. You reminded me. Thanks, Abby. You reminded me of uh, the impatience and the judgment. They're like the evil twins. They're like, la, la, la. What I do is I've heard this many times over the years. And sometimes you hear it and you go, yeah, what a bunch of hooey. But when people say, if God says no, it usually means not yet or I have something better in store. Because when I release my... Because I, I think I know how it's supposed to run. This is how the shit's supposed to go. Oh, I swear. This is how it's supposed to go. I know right. And then when I just go, fine, whatever. Really, whatever is a prayer. Whatever. It works out every time. 
Honestly, I mean, really, right now, financially, I'm not in a great situation. But luckily, my husband's doing pretty well, you know. And then I, but then I, my, my negative thinking gets me into that. Yeah, but if you were single, you would have to go move back and live with your mother, and then you'd be 300 pounds like she is. And yeah, 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 yeah. But for today, that's not where I am. So I can be patient and say, maybe I don't know exactly what my career is supposed to look like today. But maybe I can just work on enjoying my life and practicing love, service, and compassion. And it will be revealed. It is hard to go. More will be revealed, but more is always revealed, and it's never over. You know, I have this little sign on the back of my door that says, um, "Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end." And that's the end. Isn't it? Okay. <laughs>